And uh, if you, we have a few extra Bibles at the back if you need one. Page number for John 12 is page 1024. And the scripture uh, we're reading is the final section of this section of John. We're reading the final verses of John 12. And once we reach John 13, the focus very much shifts to a private um, time with his disciples. These are the final words that John records that uh, Jesus said to the crowds and to the people there in Jerusalem right before his crucifixion. John chapter 12, begin reading in verse 42. John 12, 42. Nevertheless, many among the chief rulers also believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Jesus cried and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has one who judges him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father who sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, even as the Father said to me, so I speak. Let's have prayer together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage and for what you spoke on this day. Your final words to the masses. And Lord, I pray that any who are here that are outside of the faith would hear them and would believe them. Whether they are in this room or watching online, we ask, dear God, that this word would be received by lost souls. We also pray that this word will be received by your children, those who know you. May they consider how great you are. May they worship you. I also pray that your children will be spurred to share the good news of Christ, that we would not be among those who do not confess you publicly. I pray your grace and your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I think each of us have heard something more than one time. We have heard something again and again, and sometimes maybe it takes place where it's a joke that someone tells, and even as the joke is starting, you say, oh, I've already heard this joke, and you might in your mind say, this is, this is an awful joke, right? this isn't funny at all, I've heard this joke before. Maybe you hear something taught, and you've heard it taught before. You've heard... Um, this lesson before, maybe it's in school. Um, sometimes you hear something for a second time and it's kind of annoying or bothersome because you say to yourself, I have already heard this before. However, there are times where you hear something for the second or third or fourth time and it is very important that you do. Um, in a school context, sometimes that is how you remember it for the test, right? You hear it multiple times and then when the test comes, you know the answer you can write it. I was thinking of one thing that I've seen done multiple times is whenever you fly on a plane, those 
steward, stewards and stewardesses get up there and they have their little, here the inflatable will drop down and make sure you put on your own mask before you put on someone else's mask. And um, you know, the cushion under you is a life raft. And let's face it, how, I think all, anyone who's flown has heard that message, right? How many times have we had to use it? I think zero for me, right? I've never had to use any of that, right? But there are occasions where planes do fall out of the sky and they fall into the water. And one of the rules that they teach you is that you should not inflate your life vest thing until you exit the plane. I don't know if you've ever caught that. Most of you probably tune out the little message, right? But I was watching a documentary and there was... Um, a plane that had crashed in the ocean, and there was a number of people that inflated their life vest right away because there was some water in the plane. And what happened is that the water started filling the plane and they floated to the top and they could not get down through the exit because they had their life vests on and they inflated them immediately. They said, don't, and, and the rule is you wait till you're outside the plane and then you inflate your life vest. That was a message that they had probably heard before but in the fear of that moment, they ignored that word, and it cost them their life. Here, Jesus says things that he has said before. This is not brand new. This is not new news. But he repeats himself. And in fact, what we see is, is quite a summary of different truths that have already been taught in the Gospel of John. So he's saying it again, but he's saying it for a final time. After his resurrection, did Jesus appear to lost people? The answer is no. Now, the one exception you might find was when he appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus, but that was after he ascended. But in, his, in the days after his resurrection, he only appeared to his children. This is his final call to the lost world. It's his final word to those in Jerusalem. He's already entered Jerusalem on the triumphal entry. Um, this, is, this chapter tells us there was a loud voice from heaven, and the people heard the voice from heaven. And they were aware that it was in confirmation of what Jesus had said. And we see some of these things uh, connected with in the text that we're reading today. Verse 42 says, Nevertheless, many among the chief rulers also believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. I think we might remember this a little bit, this being put out of the synagogue part back with the blind man. Do you remember the blind man in John 9 that we went through? The blind man had some parents, and the blind man was called in, and the parents were called in. And when the, the uh, religious leaders examined the parents, they immediately said, oh, uh, you, you just talk to our son. You just talk to him because uh, he's of age. You know, he's an adult. He can speak for himself. And the Bible tells us they did that. Why? Because if they sided with Jesus, they would be put out of the synagogue. And they did not want to get into that, and they deflected straight to their son, and they avoided answering the questions. We find that in John chapter 9. These are people that the Bible says they believed on Jesus, but they did not confess him. The word confess means to say the same thing, and they believed in their heart, but they did not confess with their mouth. This is a very interesting situation. Uh, in the Gospel of John, we find someone very specifically where it talks about him. And it says of Nicodemus that he was uh, 
originally he talked to Jesus in John chapter 3. We think he may have spoken up for Jesus in John 7. We don't know for sure. Someone did. And then we read this verse, but later in the end of the Gospel of John, we find Nicodemus coming out publicly for the Lord Jesus. We also find Joseph of Arimathea coming out publicly for the Lord Jesus after his death. And they did publicly confess the Lord in their action and in their words. But here it says there are people that they believed with their heart, but they did not confess him to others, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. The faith that it speaks of is a point in time. It says they believed in him at a point in time. But when it speaks of their confession, they did not confess him. This, word, this verb is an ongoing word. And it meant they didn't confess him, and they didn't confess him, and they didn't confess him, and they didn't confess him. And then it says, lest they should be put out. There again, that putting out of the synagogue is a point in time. And as I read the passage... And as I study the passage, you know what I find? Some people say these are believers. They're true Christians. Other people say, no, no, these are false Christians. They're not really Christians because they didn't confess the Lord Jesus publicly. Now, I understand that there are Christians that disagree, but I want to look at a couple verses that may help us understand this. The most obvious verse that might be coming to your mind is a famous gospel verse that we share often from Romans chapter 10. You remember what that verse says? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. It says, if we believe in our heart that God is raised from the dead, and it says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? And we, we speak of that in regards to the gospel, that if we confess with our mouth, if we believe in our heart that God has raised from the, from the dead, we will be saved. So Romans 10 gives confession and it gives belief in Romans chapter 10. But when we look at other passages, we see something different being taught. And so the question is, how, how do we harmonize all this together? Let's, let's turn, turn, if you would, first to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. There's a phrase where it talks about the Lord denying us if we deny Him. Okay? And this is an important passage. Um, let's read 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse number 11. 2 Timothy 2.11, that's page 1140 if you're using the Simplified. It says, It is a faithful saying, if, For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we do not believe, still he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Now, this is an interesting passage because Paul is speaking to who? Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy these things, and he says, this is faithful. This is certain. This is a known thing. If we die with him, we will live with him. We understand that pretty well. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. But that next phrase says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Now the question here is, if we deny Jesus and he denies us, what does this mean? This lack of confession is talked about in John 12. People didn't speak for Jesus. Here Paul talks to Timothy and says, if we deny him, he will deny us. Also in Matthew it says a similar phrase, he who receives, he who receives you receives me, 
And he, I'm sorry, I'm got, I got my wrong verse here. But uh, the verse says in uh, Matthew, it says, if, if we do not confess him before men, then uh, the Lord Jesus will not confess us before his Father. And as we think about these passages, the question really is this. If I do not confess the Lord Jesus, am I saved? Am I his child? Am I a Christian? And my answer to you is this. If you confess to the Lord your faith, you are his child. If you confess not your faith to others, you are his child, but you are in disobedience. I think this is pretty clear when we really boil it down. A condition for being saved is to trust on the Lord Jesus, to receive him by faith. The Bible doesn't say that if you receive Christ and tell others about him, then you are saved. That's not the condition for salvation. Do you remember what it says in 1 John chapter 5? He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son of God has not life. Um, Do you remember the the story we just heard in song about the, the Philippian jailer? He came and he said, what must I do to be saved? What did they say to him? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, right? So uh, belief is always the condition of salvation. And in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, he says, if we deny him, he will deny us. What I understand this to be is that there is a public um, time where we stand before the Father and there is a denial of us that happens if we deny him. You say, what, what will this look like? Well, I don't know specifically, but I do know that 1 John chapter 3 says that when the Lord Jesus returns, some of his children will be, anybody know? Ashamed. It says some of his children will be ashamed at his coming. And this shaming that one experiences at his coming, I think fits with the picture of denial. Then that last verse in 2 Timothy 2 says, if we do not believe, still he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. That last one is very, very different from the prior verses, isn't it? If, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the, these, these verses are uh, saying if, if we do this, he will do this. If we will do this, he will do this. And most of them parallel, right? Where if we suffer, we'll reign. If we deny him, he will deny us, right? They're very parallel. This verse 13 is not parallel at all. If we do not believe, still he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. What does that tell us about the Lord Jesus? It tells us that he is committed to us even when we are not committed to him. Doesn't that that say something about the Lord? That speaks of his love for us. And here in this passage, when I read in John chapter 12, many among the chief rulers also believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were silent. They were quiet. They didn't want to be put out of the synagogue. I just received in the mail one of those magazines called Voice of the Martyrs. I don't know if anyone else gets those magazines. But one of the things that encourages me about those magazines is there are people who suffer greatly for their faith and they're still public about it. You know, one thing I've read a lot, numerous times in the Voice of the Martyr magazines, is stories of people who were initially silent about Christ. They had received him in their heart They were silent, and as time went by, they realized that God wanted them to speak for the Lord. And so some of these people, they speak and they are beaten. Some of them speak for the Lord and they are are tortured, and they endure awful horrors for the Lord Jesus. And it kind of hits my heart, because when I speak for Christ, I don't endure those things. I don't suffer those things. No one has beaten me 
because I've given the gospel. No one has, uh, has tortured me because I've shared Christ. Now, the people in this passage, what were they worried about? They didn't want to be put out of the synagogue. They didn't want to be ostracized. They didn't want to be looked down upon. And so they were quiet. They were silent. And as Jesus was crucified that week, there were people in Jerusalem who believed in him, but were silent. Quiet. I don't know if you've heard the phrase, silence is golden. There's another phrase that says, silence is golden, but sometimes it's just yellow. And it has the heart behind it that says, sometimes silence is a lack of loyalty to Jesus Christ. It says, verse 43, they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Let's talk about this quickly. The praise of men. They wanted the praise of men, they wanted the approval of men, and they loved that more than they loved God. Do you know, for these people in this situation, if they had witnessed, if they had said, I'm a follower of Jesus, He is right, He is the light of the world, if they had said that, they would have lost the praise of men. They would have been put out of the synagogue. They may have lost employment. They may have lost income. They may have lost respect. They may have lost friends. Because they spoke for Christ. They would have lost the praise of men. But do you know what else they are losing? The praise of God. Let's talk just for a minute. Which one is better? The praise of men or the praise of God? Which one lasts longer? The praise of men or the praise of God? Which one will be satisfactory to our souls in eternity? The praise of God. The praise of God. That is what will, will give our souls peace and joy. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Is there someone in your life where the Spirit has urged you to witness to them, to share Christ with them, to speak for the Lord, and you hold back and you think, if I do, oh, if I do, they will be mad at me. If I do, uh, I might lose my next promotion. If I do, I, they're going to get angry. This verse speaks to us. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. There's a song that's called Ashamed of Jesus, and I wanted to read it for us here today. Jesus, and shall it ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee? Ashamed of thee whom angels praise whose glories shine through endless days. Ashamed of Jesus, that dear friend on whom my hopes of heaven depend. No, when I blush, be this my shame, that I no more revere His name. Ashamed of Jesus, yes, I may, when I've no guilt to wash away, no tear to wipe, no good to crave, no fears to quell, no soul to save. Ashamed of Jesus, empty pride. I'll boast a Savior crucified, and oh, may this my portion be, my Savior, not ashamed of me. As we've looked at these verses, I hope that you will consider your own heart. Are you speaking the gospel with boldness? Are you ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ? Too often we let the thoughts of people guard and overrule our thinking Let's live for the praise of God. Verse 44, Jesus cried and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. 
in these two verses, we find the, uh, the oneness with the Father being emphasized. Now, he had emphasized, emphasized this before, so it's not a brand new concept. It's not new. He had said it before. Uh, this isn't working for me, so if you could advance, that would be great. Um, the oneness with the Father is verse 44 and 45. He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. Jesus had told people before that I and the Father are one. Earlier in John, he had also emphasized this by saying uh, that the God did not send his son into the world. Let's see here. Wrong verse. Excuse me. Verse 20, John 5, 24. He who hears my word and believes on him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Jesus here again tells the Jewish people, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard from me, you've heard from the Father. These two things, the fact that Jesus and the Father are one, are central and core to the gospel message. If Jesus is just a prophet, just a speaker, just another sinner like us, then he's not a savior. He's just a teacher. But here he says, I give you the same words of the Father. He's the one who sent me. He's the one that you're seeing. When you see me, you see the Father. Right? That's a clear claim to being God, isn't it? If you see me, you've seen the Father. But false religion always tries to separate Jesus and the Father, don't they? In Islam, they say he is just a prophet, right? In, um, in the Hindu religion, they would say he's one of the many gods. But in here, Jesus says, when you believe in me, you believe in him. When you see me, you see him. This is that oneness being made very clear. Do you know that when the Lord Jesus speaks to you and you say no, you're saying no to God himself. When the word of God is given, and we read here, in our, um, the Bible we're reading in has red letters, right? He who believes in me. These are the words of God the Father directly speaking to the people. He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. So Jesus emphasizes this again. The people who crucified him and the people who rejected him, they said, God is not your father. Do you remember who they said his father was? Anybody remember? They said that a Gentile was his father. They called him a Samaritan. And they said, we're not born of fornication. We're not a Samaritan like you. And they called his father a Gentile. Whereas Jesus says, God is my father. He was born of a virgin. God was his father. Look now, if you would, in verse 46. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. This is very much like John 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Right here, in Jerusalem, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of this entire world. Who had just come to him earlier and said, we want to see Jesus? Well, if you go back to verse 20, verse 20 of John 12 says, there were certain Greeks among them who came up to worship at the feast. Therefore, the same came to Philip, who was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, sir, we want to see Jesus. The Bible never records that Jesus received these Greeks. But he did say, when I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And he did tell them, I am the light of the world. For Jew and Gentile alike, for all people, Jesus is the light of the world. 
just a few days, though, when Christ is up on the cross, what comes upon the world? Darkness. Darkness comes on the world. And Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, the light of the world, went and entered darkness and came out. Came out of death. Came out of darkness. He is the light of the world. Look now at verse 47. Here we see, verse 47, that if any man hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. This again reminds us very much of John chapter 3, verse 17. John 3, verse 17 tells us, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. John 3, 17. Jesus again tells the people, I did not come to judge the world. I came to save the world. This is a big misconception that people have about church and about Jesus. They think that you have to become good in order to go to church. And you have to be good enough to go to heaven. And that, that Jesus uh, is, is out to see who's good enough. Right? No, no, no. That's very, very backwards. Completely backwards. Jesus came to save the world. He came to rescue people from judgment. He came to save you and me. To rescue us from our sins. He didn't come to judge the world. If Jesus didn't come to judge the world, then he didn't send us here to judge it either. If anyone deserves to judge the world, it's Jesus, right? So certainly it's not us. Now by that, I don't mean that we don't determine what's right and wrong, but I do mean that we do not pronounce final condemnation on people. I'm thankful that the Lord Jesus can save anyone. Anyone who will come to him by faith can be saved. Verse 48, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has one who judges him the word that I have spoken. See, what will judge people on that final day is the word that Jesus has spoken. Jesus came, He came to save, and He said, believe in Me. Trust in Me. Receive Me. What will judge a person on the final day is the words of Jesus. The words of Christ. Now, in this passage, we can kind of understand that, and we can think, man, those Jews, they had heard the Lord Jesus. They had listened to His teaching. They had been there for the miracles. So, of course, they're going to be judged by the words of Jesus. But what about the people who lived 400 years later? Right? What about the people who live in 2023? How can they be judged by the words of Jesus? Right here. The Word of God. The words of Jesus. We who live today will be judged by the words of Jesus as found in the Word of God. That is the measure. That is what will judge us on that day. And I'm thankful that the Word of God tells me that He who has the Son has life. I'm thankful that it says that for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. These are the words that will judge me on that day and they will judge me to be a child of God. But for those who reject Christ, for those who do not receive Him by faith, they too will be judged by these words. And the same Scripture that says, He who has the Son of God has life, says, He who has not the Son of God has not life. This is the Word of God. This is the Word that we preach. 
And to reject Jesus is to reject His words. To reject His words is to reject Jesus. You cannot separate the two. You cannot separate the two of them. If I'm trying to have a conversation with someone, maybe I'm trying to have an important conversation, right? And somebody reached into their pocket and they pulled out some orange earplugs and they rolled them up and they put them in their ears and they went like this and closed their eyes, right? While I'm trying to have a conversation with them. Would, that per- would I be able to say they rejected me? That's called getting rejected, right? That's being rejected. That's personal. And so it is with the Lord Jesus. His words are wrapped up in Him. And if you reject His words, you reject Him. And so for people that come to the Bible and they say, oh, Bible, it's just a bunch of myths and it's not really true. It's just telling us to be nice to people. Well, what they're doing is they're rejecting the words of Jesus. They're rejecting the Word of God. And to reject the Word of God is to reject God Himself. John 3.18 says, He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. To believe on Him is to believe on His name. To believe on His name is to receive His words. This is the Jesus that we preach. Verse 49 goes on, I have not spoken of myself, but the Father who sent me he gave me a commandment that what I should say, or what I should say and what I should speak. We'll read verse 50 also. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Therefore, whatever I speak, even as the Father said to me, so I speak. Jesus is again claiming oneness with the Father, but here it's specifically about his words and his message. He is one with the Father. And he's helping the Jews. He's trying to preach to the Jews to show them that to reject him is to reject Jehovah God of the Old Testament. It's to reject the God who led them out of Egypt and the God who gave them that land there in Israel and the God who set up King David. To reject Jesus is to reject that God. Jesus said, He who despises me despises him who sent me. John or Luke, excuse me, Luke 10, 16. In John 6, 38, Jesus said this, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In John 4, Jesus said to the woman at the well, My, my food is to do the will of him that, who sent me and to finish his work. John 4, 34. One more, John 8, 29. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Jesus is saying, when I speak, I am speaking with the authority of God. And when I speak, the words that I give to you are the words that God the Father gave to me. And so when Jesus speaks, it's from God. And might I also say that when He does not speak, it is not from God. He is very clear that He is speaking as God. I was thinking about this when He was silent before Pilate. You remember how he stood before Pilate and he was silent? And Pilate said, what do you mean? How can you treat me this way? Don't you know that I have power to kill you and I have power to let you free? And then Jesus speaks, right? You could have no power at all except it were given you from above. That meant that even his silence was was ordained of God. God had a will and a plan for Jesus. And 
Then later when he's before the, the or I guess technically it was earlier, when he was before the chief priest and they were falsely accusing him of many, many different things, falsely accusing him, falsely accusing him. Do you remember what, what, uh, what the high priest then said? He then brought accusation that he was the son of God. And then Jesus spoke and he said, yes, you will see the son of man ascending and descending from the right hand of the father. And they immediately said, oh, blasphemy. But my point is that Jesus spoke at that moment because God, the Father, told him to speak. And so as we read in the scripture and we see what he spoke, he spoke as God told him to speak. You know, there's a passage in Matthew that's written to all people, and it says this, For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Do you know what that word justified means? Declared righteous. And you know what I find as I read the scripture? I read the words of Jesus and I have found him to be righteous. I have found him to be honest. I have found him to be who he said he was. Verse 50 says, And I know that his commandment is everlasting life. His commandment is everlasting life. God the Father gave me a commandment to speak the words of everlasting life. The words of life eternal. These are important words. They are not words of option. They are not words of, well, if you don't really like it, that's fine. Take what you like and leave what you don't. That's not how Jesus speaks. When Jesus speaks, he speaks the authority, the authority given him from above. His commandment is everlasting life. You know that this was prophesied in the Old Testament? Deuteronomy 18.18 says... I will raise up for them, that is for Israel, a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I shall command him. Deuteronomy 18, 18. This was prophesied, this was fulfilled, and right here, right before his crucifixion, there's a prophecy from Deuteronomy being fulfilled. As Jesus says, I've spoken to you the words of God, I've spoken to you exactly what God told me to do, and God has put these words in my mouth. And just a little bit later, the Jews would say, crucify him, crucify him. And they would reject the words of Jesus. The last thing that John records, therefore whatever I speak, even as the Father said to me, so I speak. This is the last record that John gives of what what was said. This is probably one of the final days there of the week. Um, depending on how you lay out all the calendar, um, it would be Tuesday, or um, Tuesday would probably be the latest day that it, that it could be. Uh, maybe Wednesday, depending on, on how you count all that up. And in just a day or two, he will be crucified. These are his last words to the public, to the lost, to the masses, to all those people that have come up to the Passover. I do not know your calendar. I do not know your days. I am not always speaking by the direct voice of God, all right? Clearly, that is not the case. If you knew me, <laughs> you would know that to be the case. But I do want to say this. One day, you will hear your final call. One day, you will hear the gospel for the last time. Now, for me, I was very blessed in that I grew, I grew up hearing the gospel many, many times. But I don't want to think about how many times I heard the gospel 
that I rejected it or I ignored it or I said that's not for me because it was a lot. It was a lot of times that I heard the gospel. The words that we have looked at today are the last words of Jesus calling out to the lost souls of Jerusalem. And he's saying to them, I am one with the Father. I am the light of the world. I am the, sa- the Savior of the world. I came to save the world, not to judge the world. But there is a judgment coming. Those were the final words of Jesus. And he gave them because the Father gave them to him to give to those people. And I want you to know that one day you will hear the gospel for the final time, the final opportunity, the last word. In the passage, we've been warned about being a silent believer, about holding the gospel within, about loving the praise of men more than the praise of God. And I pray that our church will not be silent with the gospel, that we will love God's praise, and we will hear it even now as we maybe endure the mocking or just the being ignored or rejected by others. Rejection's not fun, but to be shamed before the Father is much, much worse. Jesus emphasized his oneness with the Father, that he's the light of the world, that he has a heart for the world, but he also warned them about the judgment of the word and about the words of God. Jesus spoke exactly what he should have spoken. He gave the message he was to give. I believe today I have spoken from John 12. I've given to you the words of the Lord, and I hope that you respond to them. Take them in seriousness. Let's bow our heads in prayer together.